taking a turn off of the paved road today and going to the book of Mark. But what it is is a very similar passage to the one that's in Luke 18. We weren't that far along in Luke. But uh, I wanted to jump off on this place. We are having a week away from each other next week. Remember, we have a consolidated Sunday school with the conference going on here this weekend. So uh, let me share this with you. The story is about a blind beggar. Before I read the text, let me ask you a question or two just to think about. Have you ever in your life so wanted something that it gripped you physically and psychologically? Uh, you know, you might feel that way personally if you're on the intercessor for some of the needs you have. Maybe as a little child, <laughs> something in your immaturity, so overwhelmed you. I wish, I wish, I wish I could have that. Especially at Christmas time, right? <laughs> well, it's something to think about. If you had something, and maybe you do, to lay before the Lord, or something that so burdened you, you had no other place to turn to, would you go to the Lord in all earnestness, I was thinking this morning as I prayed before we got here, uh, I'm praying to the same Father that heard Jesus Christ. Man, <laughs> doesn't that make you stop and think? Doesn't that kind of blow you away? We have entrance into his presence through prayer just as Jesus did. Uh, that just made me think and... Uh, made me run over to Bartimaeus and how he must have prayed. Let me read these verses for you about the blind beggar. We're in Mark chapter 10. Just a few verses at the end of the chapter, beginning with verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he, talking about Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And he immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is probably the last miracle of mercy Jesus performed before his crucifixion. He will, right after this, in verse 12 of chapter 11, perform a miracle, but it wasn't one of mercy. It was one of drying up the fig tree as another sign of his power and what he's doing in his kingdom. We're about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem in our story here. Jesus is walking there headed for his final Passover before his crucifixion. This final Passover celebration 
It marks the end of his earthly ministry, or almost the end. A few other things happen, of course. He comes to one of the oldest cities in the world, Jericho, along with the city of Damascus. They were both at this point perhaps 5,000 years old. Jericho, a lot of history there going all the way back to the book of Joshua, of course. Also uh, in Kings, it is a crossroads of ancient trade routes. Would have been an important place for news and information. You understand nobody back then sat down and clicked Google (laughs) or Facebook to spread news to anybody. They didn't even pick up Alexander Graham Bell's invention of the telephone. But word got around in this oral culture. And Jericho, I think, was buzzing with rumors. There's a carpenter, and he goes around performing miracles. And Bartimaeus heard about that. The blind see, he heard about that. And didn't that mean something? He was blind. I don't know if you've ever, I do weird stuff sometimes. I don't know if you've ever closed your eyes and tried to navigate just around your house. You know, you may have lived there as long as I lived in ours, 30 years, but it's still not an easy exercise. And in some ways it's dangerous. I could have just a small amount of empathy for Bartimaeus when I do something like that. Not only that, the lame walk and even the dead have been brought back to life. That's some of the things you may have heard about this man, Jesus. A lot of talk about this man here at the city gate. This was the epicenter back in these days. This is where you went to hear the news and to do business. Bartimaeus is there. We read that leaving the city, Jesus goes by this beggar who's sitting at the gate. Sitting there perhaps folded his legs underneath him in the sand. Maybe he uh, is disheveled, dirty, thinking he sits outside all the time. Being blind, maybe he had some food in his beard. Who knows? We don't know if he's married. Don't know if he has any children. We don't know if he has any other hopes of uh, supporting himself other than being a beggar. All we know is that he's blind, he's sitting by this gate, and his name is Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. That's where the bar comes in. You remember when uh, Jesus spoke to to, uh, Peter one time, he called him Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, in uh, Matthew. Did you know what bar mitzvah means for a Jewish young man? What is that? Well, that's about the time he's coming of age, about 12, and there's a celebration. And they have a party. There's a ritual that they go through. But what that means is son of the covenant. What a designation that is. What a designation. Wouldn't you like somebody to say that about you? (laughs) Ah, he's a son of the covenant or a daughter of the covenant. They're a child of the king, a bar mitzvah. And now, perhaps that's redundant to say it that way, but uh, 
If it is, it must have been for the sake of us and the Gentiles. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, an unclean man is sitting there by the gate, this guy. He is known. You see that because of the interaction with these other people. It suggests that he's been around here long enough to, be pe- to hear people talk about how tired they are of his persistent rattling of his cup. You know, what else can I do? I need some money. Put a little coin in there. I want you to hear this. And his disheveled appearance probably described, oh, he's one of them, you know. He's one of them. If you grew up on the other side of the tracks in America, perhaps you would be called that. He's one of them. He's from Pickens or someplace, you know. (laughs) He's not from here. He was one of them. He is known... And we know him by his name. As far as I can tell, this is the only person Jesus healed that we know his name. I don't know the significance of that, but it is significant or it would not have been the only one. The only instance. I think it's significant in the writing of this gospel that this incident here that we're looking at follows right on the path of what? You don't have to look far back. The request of James and John. What was their request? Yeah, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can I have this place of honor? Now compare that with the story of this one, Bartimaeus here. They know his name, but that's not his request. And I think that's significant. He's in a strategic location. And if you were a beggar and especially a blind beggar, you no doubt would have had somebody help you get there. Listen, I heard he's coming. Wouldn't you help? Won't you help me? There's a number of incidents like this in scripture. There's a man who was let down the roof because he could not walk himself. What great friends they were to do that. Jesus is in this house doing miracles and they were willing to go with him. There are other places uh, infrequently, but sometimes. Here he is in this strategic location. He is at what may have been the very gate where Joshua had entered Jericho. You know what Joshua means? Yeshua. What are we talking about? Yahweh is salvation. That's connected with Joshua's name. And who is here? He is the God of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah here at this place in this time at Jericho. Remember, Joshua, and I don't think these are just incidental things I'm throwing out to you. I think they're significant. Remember, Joshua had a a meeting with a lady named Rahab, a defiled woman who was a sinner, but said she wanted to be connected with that God. And it ended up she believed in the God of Israel and it was blessed. Where else can you find her name in scripture? Genealogy. Yes. She's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the God man, the savior. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He was blind, but he wasn't deaf. I hear, 
I hear that the Savior is coming this way. Yeshua is coming near. I got to be at this place, this strategic location, at the right place, the right time. This place near in Jericho, a city that had been under the curse of God. And now think of this. The redemption is nigh. The Messiah has come in this place. You can read about that back in Joshua 6 and in 1 Kings. And it's interesting to take note of that. Very interesting byplay here. A place of destruction and judgment. It's a place of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the kingdom of God having a significant move here. He no doubt heard of Jesus. Leopards have been cleansed. They tell me lame people are dancing. Demons are cast out. This one fed 5,000 people with a couple loaves of bread. That's who he is. Maybe he heard about the miracle near the pool of Bethsaida earlier in Luke chapter eight. Or the woman, another great story I like, who had an issue of blood. That's in Matthew chapter nine. It's interesting because some of the things that happened there happened in this story of Bartimaeus. We'll touch on at least one of them. Maybe he heard about Lazarus who had been in a tomb, was now alive. And maybe he also heard of how Jesus speaks gently to people who are filthy, defiled sinners. But whatever he heard, it was enough to move him to be there. This is the day that Bartimaeus had been waiting for. Jesus approaches and the noise must have reached his ear. I don't think he could contain himself. Maybe he even stood up here. It says later he stood up. And when he heard, he began to cry out. I, I can imagine, the story doesn't say it, that he would have stood up and jumped and waved his arms and got his friends to help him. Look, I'm over here waiting for you. It's very interesting in verse 47. What, what do we have here? It was Jesus of Nazareth. That's one of the titles given here. What can we say about that title, Jesus of Nazareth? Not much as good as anybody. <laughs> That's right. It is really in this uh, title here, a pejorative term. Remember one of the disciples heard about him and said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> can any good, I'll say it can. The son of God can. That didn't deter him that he heard that this was Jesus of, of Nazareth. What does he say? He began to cry out, Jesus, son of David. What does that tell you about Bartimaeus? What's involved in calling him the son of David? All right. With regard to what? The promises that Messiah would come through David. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, it doesn't say anything about if he went to the synagogue before this or if he'd been to Jerusalem. It says that he knows something about the history of this man, Jesus Christ. He is the son of David, the older brother of the Messiah. And he obviously knew that. That's how he cries out. He doesn't cry out Jesus of Nazareth. He cries out Jesus, 
thou son of David. He cries out with knowledge, some knowledge of who Jesus is, some knowledge, I believe, of the scriptures as they had been given to that point. Well, look at verse 47. This is a thoughtful conviction. After all, Nathaniel had said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, obviously, Bartimaeus has thought about this and said, oh yeah, I've heard about him. <laughs> I got a different perspective on this man than you do. He cries out with the knowledge of the word of God. Not only does he call him son of David, but he knows what that means because he asks Jesus to what? Have mercy on me. Have mercy. Well, without acting like you're very immature Christians, can you think how this applies to you? <laughs> Weren't you ever in some quandary like this, perhaps the day before you got saved? He couldn't contain himself. A mark of faith here, a mark of faith. I know you're the son of David. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I know you have what I need, forgiveness. I know you're the Messiah, the one who has come to establish his kingdom. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he won't stop crying out. He is the son of David. Let me go back to uh, just read for you quickly from the book of 2 Samuel in the 7th seven chapter. We read these two verses. Let me share with you in uh, 2 Samuel, beginning in verse 12. And, oh, from, uh, verse 11. And I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Our God is speaking to David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your, with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come for your, from your body and I will establish his kingdom. A word about the one who is standing here in Jericho. That pointed to him. You know the same thing if you read, uh, well, let me, let me read if you read it's Christmas, okay? And we turn to Isaiah 9 and we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is Isaiah. We had Samuel writing. We have Isaiah writing. This is the one. This is the Messiah. Uh, Bartimaeus didn't need convinced, not at least here in Mark 11. He knew that. He knew the words of Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool, your footstool. The picture of the Messiah. That's the one Bartimaeus has met. It's the same truth that I told you Rahab believed. This is the one true God. To say that, that this is the day that Bartimaeus had been waiting for is a bit of an understatement. I cannot imagine, like I said, being blind and now, this isn't a television evangelist. This isn't pie in the sky. This is the one who has proved who he is. Many people won't believe it, but Bartimaeus does. Bartimaeus does. Uh, let me read to you. 
one other verse about this situation as, as background material. In, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, 12, we read these. I'm going to read several verses. Again, this is Matthew now, the New Testament, the gospel. Let me read to you beginning in verse uh, 42, if I can find my place here. <laughs> uh, I don't find it. I have the wrong reference. I'm sorry. Yes, I do. There's another number there. It's a 22, not Matthew 12. It's Matthew 22. With the little money, I'll get a new pair of glasses soon. <laughs> we read this about our Savior. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. That's the Pharisees that said that. Mark that up in your mind. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord saying, Jesus is quoting the Psalms. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And this is so, uh, so significant. And no one was able to answer him a word nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Bartimaeus answered the question in his calling out. He's not a Pharisee. He has no uh, standing in the Israelite Jewish uh, religious order, but he knows. David, who referred to Jesus as the ultimate king and called him my Lord and uh, Bartimaeus knew that, so he yells out for mercy. Harry Ironside wrote this, and it's just a small quote, but so significant. Such faith never pleads in vain. How do you pray? How do you pray? How do I pray? This kind of faith is not uh, heard in vain, and we need to remember that. We need to go to the one who is willing to answer I have no doubt that he called out repeatedly in, in this passage in Mark. He was earnestly seeking uh, Jesus, the person of God in Jesus, underneath all his burdens, his discouragements. Having heard, he believed, but what else did he do? He sought, he sought this one. I don't know what pains it took him to get there at that gate at Jericho, but he did it. Having heard, he believed and sought him. How many of us have seen Jesus with our physical eyes? If anybody put your hand up, we'll be meeting with you afterwards. <laughs> we haven't, but yet we believe. Do we seek with any kind of earnestness that Bartimaeus had? Do we seek after him? Hard, fast, would not let any impediment like blindness, if you will, keep him from doing what he had to do here. First Peter says this, and you've heard these verses, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, good old friends that Bartimaeus has, says, <laughs> call out to him in verse 48. They rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried all the more. It's like they said, shut up, 
Don't bother him. Can't you see he's busy? Well, that's the whole issue. Bartimaeus can't see. That's the need that he presents us to Jesus uh, with vigor, with great vigor. He cried out all the more. He cries out, have mercy on me. He believed what Ezekiel and Isaiah wrote about this one. Ezekiel wrote, we already read something from Isaiah. My servant David shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be able to obey my statutes. That was the promise that was given in Ezekiel. That's what uh, Bartimaeus knows. You know, at this time, David had been dead about 385 years. And that's a lot of time to pass, but he knows, Bartimaeus knows him. Maybe he heard about the angel who came to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So what is he calling out? This bold messianic promise. You are coming to do certain things, and one of the things you're going to do is heal people. I know that from Isaiah. And look what he does. He stands up, and after he calls out, he gets up, keeps calling. And this is the only gospel that has this. Throwing off his cloak, there's nothing going to hinder Bartimaeus from getting to Jesus. No other gospel has that, but he does. You know, this is a, there's another reason this was a bold thing to do. This was bold in the sight of the Pharisees, but it might have been, I'm speculating, bold in the sight of the Roman people who were there, the Roman guards. The Romans would brook no competition. There was one emperor, and we know people got killed if they would not say the right thing about that emperor. The Romans did not want competition. So I don't know if Bartimaeus had that in his head or not, but faith would not keep him, uh, would not allow him to forget about it. Blind in his body, not in his soul. He saw what the Pharisees, the scribes, Caiaphas never saw. He saw the Messiah, the Son of God. Look at his uh, mournful petition in verse 48. We read, he cried out all the more, have mercy on me. What else could he cry out? That's all. He didn't ask for a new car. <laughs> he didn't ask for a position. He didn't ask for Jesus to fill his cup with coins. He cries, cries out, have mercy on me, son of David. He remembered the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel. He remembered what Samuel had written. Other prophecies in Joel chapter 2, another psalm, Psalm 146, that one I'll read, it's quick. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Maybe he remembered that. Maybe he remembered what John the Baptist had said shortly before that. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or maybe he remembered the paralytic in Matthew 9 where Jesus said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you, rise, take up your bed and go home. Whatever, he is going to persevere in this situation. Verse 48, he's bolstered by what's going on here and he cries out, have mercy on me. I don't think this is a man without faith. He continues to cry out, even in spite of people telling him to shut up, to put it bluntly, 
to shut up. His perseverance in the sight of this difficulty ought to bolster our faith. Do we ever not pray because something is too difficult? Something is too hard? It's taken so long? What stops you and, and me from praying? If you read a biography of George Mueller, you know that he prayed for like 60-some years for the conversion of three friends. Two were converted in the last year of his life. I think one of them was converted at his funeral sermon. And another, the third, was converted about a year after Mueller's death. How long is too long for us to cry out for mercy to God? Nothing kept Bartimaeus. Have mercy on me. In the Old Testament to say that, have mercy, was talking about the forgiveness of sins. Bartimaeus, he was talking about that whether he knew it or not, but his concern was his physical condition. The people in the Old Testament wanted this payment for debt to be made, the debt of their sin, have mercy on me. And that's what Bartimaeus was looking for. I think we don't have what Bartimaeus demonstrates here because we don't sufficiently see our sins. We really don't know how sinful we are. The smallest sin that we commit, if it had its full bloom, would have God unseated from his throne. It wasn't a terrible, heinous thing that took place in the garden, taking of the fruit, but that seemingly small thing had a profound effect even down to our lives. He knows, Bartimaeus, this one can help me. He eats with tax collectors, with sinners. He'll hear me. He'll listen. You, wherever you are, won't you take courage from this? He'll listen to us. He'll hear us if we come in faith. Think of all that we know and all that we have. It's incredible. And yet we're so skeptical sometimes, basically, you know, in our prayer lives. We're skeptical because you see it in how we pray. This man, man this, he shed his dignity. Whatever bit of dignity he had was put aside because he would not be stopped. And Jesus answered for him, let me hurry on. I think that Jesus waited for this day, for this hour, in this city to come. I think he purposely intersected here to meet with Bartimaeus just as he did with the woman who had an issue of blood. I think he must have said in his mind, I, I don't want to be irreverent, but it was as if he said, uh, Bartimaeus, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Your prayer has been heard. Verse 49, the crowd changes their tone. Isn't this interesting? Take heart, he is calling you. <laughs> Shut up, take heart, he's calling you. What a difference. Look how grace works here. His response uh, is, is great. Mark, as I said, is the only one that talks about him throwing off his cloak. He has no pretense. He didn't dress up in his finest to come to church. As a matter of fact, you could say he's undressing in order to get to Jesus Christ. What a picture. Uh, let me finish with a couple other statements. We are worth, we're talking about our Savior here, we are worth his time when it seems like he has better things to do. 
Believer, we are worth his time. He wants us to come to him. I believe much more with more requests than we do now. More often, with more determination. He wants that from us. He's ready. He says to him, what do you want me to do for you? What's going on there? (laughs) This is God, man, Jesus. Did he not know what he wanted? Yes, he did. What is he doing? What is he doing? He did the same thing with the woman who had an issue of blood. And she had already touched him and power had gone out. And he said, woman, what do you want me to do for you? What Jesus wants is a confession of faith from Bartimaeus like he did that woman with an issue of blood. Partly for the sake of these knuckleheads, if you will, who were around him telling him to be quiet. God is going to have glory. Jesus knew, but he wanted this man to say it. I had some more things to say, but I think I'll stop there. I I just, he heals him. What do you think Bartimaeus did? What would you do? What would you? Yes. I might have gone up to him and touched him. Are you the guy who did this? Are you the one that healed me? Maybe put your hand on his face or maybe kiss his forehead. What would your reaction have been? What happened to you, Christian, the first day that you believed and were saved? Was your physical demeanor different? Was your spiritual posture different before God? I believe Bartimaeus must have went wild. (laughs) He couldn't be kept away. Ready to walk and, and do anything. I'll carry the water bucket for you, Jesus, all the way to the cross. I don't know. What did Jesus do? Maybe he went and took his hands and held them there and then told him to be healed and look for the reaction. It's, it's, I call this a sanctified speculation here. Just think of the interplay that would have taken place and ask yourself, what would you have done? Maybe Jesus put his hand under his chin and pulled it up so he could look him in the eye and said, your faith has made you well. You're well. Go. Whatever is not of faith is sin, Romans writes, uh, is written in Romans. Without faith, Hebrews, it is impossible to please God. The curtain has been lifted. For, for Bartimaeus, it's like going to the IMAX. Wow. Wow. I've never seen this. Man, what power Jesus has. Maybe he touched himself. I didn't know I had that. I didn't know. Yeah. But this is the Son of God in a cursed city dealing with an unclean man living under a curse. It's a good description of me and you before we became Christians, isn't it? And look at the thankful submission. We'll finish here in verse 52. He immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Well, my question to you is, you've been saved how long? Are you following him on the way every day, all the way, no matter where it leads? Any questions or comments? No. (laughs) 
Well, let me pray as we close. Remind you, next week we meet together in a unified Sunday school class. We won't be in here, or you'll be sitting in here by yourself probably, or maybe babysitting. I don't know. Let me pray. Father God, we're humbled by your word. What depth there is there. So many things to see because of the depth of the person of Jesus Christ. How we thank you. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Christ, for coming and dying on behalf of sinners. We who are no better than Bartimaeus, spiritually blind, have been made to see. We've been made to walk in newness of life and how we praise you. We pray that our conduct, our conversation, our bearing would reflect all that. Bless us as we go and especially in the hour of worship to follow for we ask in Jesus' name, amen.